Well, welcome to online worship at Calvary for the week of June 27th, 2021. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to grab today's worship bulletin either in the Calvary app or on the website. Now, that bulletin is full of ways to connect with Calvary both online and in person. Now, as we begin worship today, let's pray together. So I'll offer uh, a topic of prayer, give you some time to offer your own prayer about it, and then we'll respond together with, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's begin. Let's pray for those who are sick. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And let's pray for those who are hungry and thirsty. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And let's pray for those who need shelter and homes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let's pray for those who are marginalized and oppressed and who suffer at the hand of injustice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let's pray for those who are in prison. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now let's pray for those who are searching for God, that they may see God in the world God has made, the people God loves, and the church that God has called to tell others about the good news that God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let's pray for all the unspoken things on our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now let's join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the first scripture we'll be working through uh, today is Psalm 130. Now during this next film, uh, it's a film interpretation of Psalm 130, I'd like us to meditate on the words that you'll see on the screen and consider how hope and longing are a necessary and fruitful part of faith in God. Now for those of you who are listening on the podcast version of this service, uh, the words to this psalm are in the notes section uh, for you to use while, while the music plays.
Our second scripture that we'll be working through uh, in this service comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to one what, ha- what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be uh, relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Hello, Calvary family, and welcome to all of you who are joining us this week in worship. And it is truly a pleasure to be able to be here and share what God has placed on my heart these last few weeks. Now, Calvary has had an almost 40-year history of sending youth and adults on work camps during the summer months. And these work camps are mission trips where our youth join youth groups from all over the country, and we all gather in a community of need, and we sleep on local school floors just so that we can help fix up homes of families who can't afford to pay their much-needed repairs. And over these four decades, our youth, their families, and our church have given close to a million dollars to help communities in over 10 different states. And I estimate that we have served over 1,500 families over this period of time. Work camp has been a highlight for so many of the youth that have grown up here at Calvary. And for many, it has been a life-changing experience. And one thing that I've learned from my years of attending these camps is that Calvary's given is often outmatched by the joy and the generous hearts of the homeowners of the houses that we work on. They give back to the youth in so many ways, whether it's home-cooked meals or ice cream treats or the best pizza in town. And they often provide gifts or just allow us to use their toilet paper that they can barely afford. They open up their homes and their hearts to a group of strangers, and they joyously give in spite of their need. And as both sides, the youth and the homeowners, give and receive, lives are transformed 
And this is the grace of giving. In today's scripture, we find Paul addressing the issue of church stewardship. We see from Paul's writing that the early churches gathered a collection, an offering, to help fund and support each other's ministries. And there was this sense of connection between these early churches as they shared in each other's ministries and mission work. And Paul gives us an update on one of these early churches, the church in Macedonia. This was a church in need of financial help, and so Paul is asking the Corinthians to help support them. Now, the church in Corinth, it was an affluent church, and they had a lot going for it. Paul says that they excelled in their faith, in their speech, in their knowledge, and in their love for each other. And if we put this church in today's context, we would see it as a church that has great preaching. And the people are faithful in their Bible studies and their prayer ministries. It's an authentic church, and they truly would be a loving, welcoming congregation. And Paul commends them on all of this. But then he follows up with some encouragement in an area where growth is needed. Paul gives the Corinthian church this challenge found at the end of verse 7. He says, you excel in all these areas. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Excel in this grace of giving. Now, I want to echo Paul before we go any farther, because Paul specifically says that he is not commanding the Corinthians to give to the larger church. I mean, a command really is a tax. It is not taking, it is, or it is taking and not giving. And there must be a willful choice to give. Otherwise, there's no love in the offering. And God is not commanding us to give, but wanting us to give out of a wellspring of joy and gratitude overflowing from the heart. Later in, in this letter, Paul writes that each one must give, each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul doesn't command here. But he is encouraging the Corinthian church, challenging the church to not just be okay or even good at giving, but to excel at the grace of giving. Now, I want to focus on this excel part because I think one of the most difficult things we do as Christians is to try to measure where we are at on our walk with God. It is difficult to do. So Paul says that he wants to test them. He wants to test their giving. And why test it? Well, if you think about it, the purpose of a test is to assess where you are at with any given subject. And so Paul tests their giving, and he does it against the giving of the Macedonian church. This poor church that is in need is really rich in joy. And out of that joy, they gave up to their ability and even beyond. They even begged Paul to give more support to the spread of the gospel. They wanted to give more and more and more. Now, this is reminiscent of the widow that Jesus praised for giving the little that she had, and even though it was pennies compared to what the religious leaders were giving. This is what the church in Macedonia was doing. And so Paul is, is testing their faith, and he isn't testing it through their amount of giving for the Corinthian church, but by their attitude, their joy, and their eagerness in giving compared to the Macedonian church. In, in this test, the church in Corinth just wasn't measuring up. The Corinthian church with their wealth had lost their passion for giving. Now friends, what if we, Calvary, tested our giving against the Macedonian church? Where do you think we would stand? 
I mean, the Macedonian church begged to give more. Do we beg to give more as a church? And I'm guessing, I'm sure that this is as tough for us to hear today as it was for the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago. Man, that is a tough standard. But what about you and I? Forget about Calvary, but what about you and I? Where do you, where does your giving stand according to the Macedonians? Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty, but I'm also not wanting to get in the way of the Spirit's convicting work. Now, getting back to the church in Corinth, Paul's test doesn't end with the Macedonian church. Paul then tests the Corinthians giving heart and, and against Christ himself. He tests the giving of the Corinthians against Christ himself and talk about an unfair test, right? I mean, it's unfair in the sense that none of us are Christ. But it is good in the sense that it shows us the way to be. I mean, aren't we supposed to strive to be Christ-like? We are called to seek holiness by the power of the Spirit. Friends, to have the heart of Christ is to be generous. Again, remember that the point of the test is to serve as a measuring stick, not a whipping rod. Paul didn't tell the Corinthians that they were terrible givers, but he points them towards a standard so that they may excel. Paul goes on reminding them of where they were just a year ago. Because a year earlier, it was the Corinthians who couldn't wait to give. They were so generous out of what they had, and they gave out of joyous hearts, but somehow, as time went on, they began to give out of obligation. And when you do so, their giving slowed, and it began to lose its power. And so Paul was encouraging them to be givers again. Paul puts them to the test out of love. And so, friends, I also put ourselves to the test. How are you at the grace of giving? Have you gotten to the place where you're just now giving out of obligation or out of compulsion? Or does your giving come from a place of joy and excitement? Are you like the church in Corinth? Was, was there a time when you gave joyfully and excitedly, but your giving has become dull and difficult? The danger for an affluent community, one in which we live, is that our possessions can become the dam that, that slows and even blocks the grace of giving. We contend that we move from givers to become takers. And in fact, that is the way we naturally drift if we don't allow the Spirit to change our nature. Now, I want you to understand a little bit why God wants you to be givers and not takers. Yes, this is another sermon about giving money to the church. But it is really so much more than that. I am talking about being generous in every aspect of your life. God wants us to be giving in nature because he is giving in nature. God wants us to be givers because giving is a conduit of his grace. And when we give, when we sacrifice, God's power flows into this world and lives are changed. I am talking about giving money, but I'm also talking about giving time, giving talents, giving energy, giving attention. Friends, Christian giving is different than the giving of this world. We give because Christ gave to us first. You guys know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And what did he give? He gave his only son 
so that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave us forgiveness of our sins through the sacrifice of, our son, of, of his son. And out of the gratitude of having all of our wrongs pardoned, and out of the joy that comes from new life and new breath, that is how we give. We give to all of those around us out of that joy. When you have the joy of the cross in your heart, I want you to hear this. When you have the joy of the cross in your heart, sacrifices aren't sacrifices, but they are opportunities of grace. Sacrifices aren't sacrifices, but they are opportunities of grace. There is so much power that comes with the grace of giving. And I, I've gotten, been fortunate enough to witness this firsthand more times than I can account, especially on work camps. It seems that every time I've gone on a work camp, someone, whether it's a homeowner, a townsfolk, one of the bus drivers, or even a gas station attendant along the way, I will inevitably get the question of someone who will ask me, hey, who pays for the youth to go repair the homes for these strangers? And I have to be honest, I get excited to tell them. And I tell them that the youth pay both in money and in time just so that they can have the privilege to go work on a neighbor's home that they haven't met yet. The look on their faces says it all. They don't get it, but they are moved by it. Now, just to be clear, this isn't about us. It's about God's grace. And that grace is revealed through the act of giving. There is power in the grace of giving. And we get to bring that power into our families, into the lives of our friends, our schools, our workplaces. Again, let me get real. Husbands and wives... Do you need to be more giving in your marriages? Do you need to give more time and attention? Parents, do you need to give more to your kids? Some of you are saying there's nothing left to give. Children, do you need to give more respect to your parents? I mean, have you ever noticed that the whole family structure is based on giving and sacrifice, and that's how it works? That's where the power comes from? Where the grace of giving really shines shines the brightest is in the presence of the least of these and those that are just plain hard to love and we all have a few of those in our lives and especially in our enemies those who have hurt us or the people that we love when we love our enemies when we forgive them i mean did you catch that word forgive when we forgive those who have wronged us when we pay the cost, when we lay down our rightfully held stones and offer a handshake or a hug, God's grace pours out like a waterfall. Mountains are moved, the earth quakes, bitterness softens, cold hearts become warm, wounds are healed, and relationships are restored. You know, I might be weird, and you can go ahead and not at home, but if I'm being honest— there are times when I almost want someone to wrong me in some way just so that I might offer forgiveness and, un and unleash God's grace into their lives. Think about that. When you excel in the grace of giving, you become excited to find the next need in which you can give to, the next person that you can help, the next opportunity to release God's grace. Friends, I want to end this morning as, as Paul began this section. Paul says this, he, he says, And you know, brothers and sisters, we want you 
to know, talking to the church in Corinth, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He is saying that, Corinth, I don't want you to miss out on this grace that the Macedonians received because they gave. The Macedonian churches were given God's grace because they gave. In God's economy, this is crazy, but in God's economy, we actually get more when we give. And I don't want you to miss out on the grace of giving. Friends, I encourage you to test your giving, that we may strive to become more Christ-like in our generosity. Let our hearts be overflowing with the joy of what we have received at the cross, and may we be a people that can't wait for the next opportunity to give, to love, to serve, to sacrifice, and especially to forgive. Because in our giving, We are the ones who truly receive, and it is in our giving where Christ truly comes alive in us and is revealed to the world. Amen.
us to open up, cause us to open up our hearts. May your light cause us to shine so Thanks for worshiping online with us today at Calvary. And don't forget to check out the website or the Calvary app to find out about upcoming events, programs, and service projects online or in person, along with ways to connect with and support the work of Calvary. Friends, receive this blessing. God, we ask that you would pour out your grace upon us so that we can open our hands and let it flow out into the world. And friends, go as God's people filled with joy and the power of the grace of giving. Amen and God bless.